Hey everyone, this is EJ Laws, the host of HR Tech Go to Market, the most popular podcast on how companies in the HR tech, future of work, DAO tooling, and automation space go to market. In this episode, I speak with Adewale Youssef, the founder of AltSchool. We cover the importance of audience building, the keys to audience building consistency, some unique insights on having in-person events, and the competitive advantage AltSchool has versus other companies in the education space. Hope you enjoy this episode. If you want to reach out, please feel free to reach me at elawless on Twitter. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you here today. I know this is sort of our second time getting together. You have a, a great and fantastic entrepreneurial founder background. Would you mind sort of giving an overview of what you're working on today? Because I think it's really interesting and potentially like very transformative and then also sort of how you got here as well. Because okay. it is a long time in entrepreneurship. Yeah, thank you so much for having me there. I know we've been trying to do this for a while. I'm glad we're finally doing this, and I'm glad I were able to meet in SF. So my name is Adewale Yusuf. I've been an entrepreneur for over eight years. And <clears throat> building in Africa has taught me one thing, that we this is the time to build some major infrastructure that would define the continent for for the future, which is tomorrow, that we all refer to as tomorrow. And so one of the major things we're doing is education. We're tackling education. Because when you look at a continent of 1.4 billion people with the with 60% under the age of 25, you notice like that is a lot of workforce and energy that we need to mm-hmm. channel into something. And also in the by in the next 10 years, Africa will be like 30 percent of the of the entire earth population at the speed we are growing so it's one of the most important thing we need to solve so and that's why we are solving for education we want to educate everyone in africa and we're starting with software development because when you look at the skills the demand the global demand right now everyone is looking for software engineer everyone is mm. looking for tech talent and we realize, like, when you have a people under the age of 25, you have 700 million people under the age of 25. Means 700 million people 700 under the million age of people under the age of 25. The 25 of Africa. In, yeah. in Africa. So that's an amazing workforce that we can actually find something wow. to do. And we can engage them. We can empower them. And that's why we're building Old School Africa. Old School Africa is the future of school. It's a school that is changing the way school is done. Because one major thing that we came out of COVID with is the inevitable power of the internet, that everything happens on the internet right now. So, so is education. We are taking the education because there was no way we could train 700 million people with the four wall of school. And also when you look at the concept of education, it's been designed for 1% because it's expensive. When you look at some of the Ivy Leagues, expensive mm. so we are just looking for the affordable most affordable way to teach people in africa and africa is a 99 percent market not the one mm. percent market and that's one of the things we're building and that's what we're building at all school africa we are building the, we're democratizing access to education for the next one billion africa and yeah in the next 10 years we hope we'll be able to reach 10 10 million and say 10 million is not even up to 1% of the population. I mean, maybe 10%. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that is such an impactful mission statement. It, 
looking to educate the 700 million people in Africa. Yeah. And starting with software engineering. And then that that gets people instantly into jobs, right? Because it's such an in-demand field. And so those people are getting an instant return on their education. How did you... I mean, it's just like such an ambitious vision. I guess like a couple different ways I think about this. Like one is how did you come up with that, that idea of like, let's figure out how over some period of time you can educate 700 million people. Yeah. So for me, I've been an entrepreneur for, for close to a decade now. And one of the major things I always do is, or I always look at is what is the opportunity? Where is the opportunity? Then I started in 2018, before COVID, I was I saw the opportunity like, oh, we need to educate Africa because Africa has some natural resources like gold, like oil, but we have people, human resources more than all these resources. So, and I just realized like, we are not focusing on these people, we need to focus. But there were a lot of other distraction and a lot of it's... I'm so sorry. There are a uh, lot no of worries. reasons why it won't work and but fast forward to 2020 i realized like everything that could go wrong had gone wrong because of covid so the world is in a a place of chaos and everyone is looking for the next solution what would change and i realized like this is an opportunity for africa because for the first time countries are looking beyond their immediate markets to look for talent and also immigrant borders are opening up for exceptional talent. And that was why I realized, like, this is time for us to refine our raw materials that we have, yeah. which is the it, talent, it, the young people in the population. And, you know, that is fantastic. I, like, your story in and of itself, I, I think, is really interesting as I understand it. So you started in entrepreneurship 10 years ago. When you were yeah. trying to do it, you you lived in your car for a while, as I understand. Is that right? To sort of so, make. Yeah. yeah. So for, for me. Grit and determination. Yeah, is my yeah. It wasn't even a car, you know, in Lagos, it's different from the U S so you don't have okay. like car stuff. So I was just, I live almost outside. You understand? Like, uh, think of the homeless you have here. So something like that without any hope. But my goal was simple. I realized like, oh, I can change something. And I wanted to go to school as well. But eventually I was able to send myself to university. And I I realized like it's not worth it as at that time. It wasn't what, what I was expecting because the, a lot of things they were teaching were obsolete. And mm. I've been learning a lot of things as well. Okay. So that I was you, why you flew I knew. In from, you you yeah. flew in from uh, Nigeria last week, right? So you're getting the, yeah. the time I zones know. used. I know. My, my body, I thought my body had adjusted. Apparently, it's, yeah, it's all good. right now it's super late in Nigeria. It's like better. So, but one of the major things I'm trying to say is I realized like we need to address this because in Africa, the concept of education had to change. We need to focus a lot on skills. We need people to have a skills that is marketable, that's in demand, because that's how we can add value to even our economy. And that's one of the things we are trying to do. Because when you see a place where there is population, where there is energy, you need to channel the energy. <sighs> Sorry. You need to channel the energy into something. And that's exactly what we're trying to do at All School Africa. Because I believe that as I said, the opportunity I didn't have 
we can create that opportunity for people now. And we have millions of millions of people that are looking for that same opportunity right now. And you are, I think, well known within the African tech community, right? Because you've been writing about the tech community. You know, one of the companies you started was a media company focused on that. And so absolutely. It, you so, probably uh, have a lot of trust and credibility too. Yeah. So for me, I, I keep telling people when we started our school and it was successful, and I said for it was a unique challenge. And the only reason why at to an extent it was successful at the big sorry. At the beginning was the credibility higher my co-founders had. Because over time, people know that we are builders. We built a lot of things. Because we were asking people to drop money even before we write a single line of code. Before we any code was written, we were asking for application form, and we generated some hundreds of thousands of dollars just from that. Mm. And it was because of our network, our credibility. I built tech points. My co-founders built other ones. And these are things that the world look at us, that we are extraordinary talent. And also we've proven ourselves over the years. So uh, that really helped us to start. Because imagine there's nobody that can come random from anywhere and just say, hey, I need 10,000 people to apply for this thing. And I'm going to admit 5,000 people into a school for the first time. So that was really, really tough. But we mm-hmm. were able to pull it off. That's why some people feel like, oh, this is a scam at the beginning. Well, eventually the student, some people are not, no, we know these people, these people are real. And it's something amazing right now. I'm super happy that it works. And also with an entrepreneurial journey that we had, we build businesses. I understand how businesses on the continent of Africa really works. I understand how everything, because media gives you a bird view access. Like you can always see everything in the market mm. and you can know people's mistakes. I've interviewed a lot of entrepreneurs and also investors as well. So I know some things are missing. And yeah, so it's a good shot when I we started. Yeah, that's fantastic. And anything from a go-to-market perspective, sort of like what I think about and focus on, you built an audience. You built an audience around technology. And yeah. then you're able to sort of take that and help people who are probably reading your other businesses and be like, hey, you probably want to get involved in technology too. Here's a way to do it, right? With the way you start as a starting yeah. point. It's like your entry. Yeah. So I think one thing that is very important is uh, that I've just realized Building an audience is very important. Every day right now, Elon Musk is throwing everyone up and down. Not because (laughs) he's rich, to be honest. Jeff Bezos is rich. Mark Zuckerberg, some people are rich, but it's because he just had an audience. He's one of the most followed on on Twitter. And whenever he tweeted something, (laughs) he's chaotic. So because he's audience. And one thing I've learned is when you build your audience before your product, when you build a product, they trust you. They trust the brand. There's no product you build. You will always be successful. And that's one thing I think people like Elon Musk are done. And also one thing I'm trying to do as well. I'm always making sure I'm building audience. I'm always looking for what's the best way to connect because that mm. credibility is very important. People trust you based on that. Yeah. I, I mean... You describe it in a way like it's easy to do. It's obviously not easy to do because I know you've been working on on your businesses for a number of years. But once you have it, it's so yeah. impactful. And, and it clearly allows yeah. you to help grow out school. Because you said 
How many people did you say were already sort of signed up for it when you just so we have ten, we have nine thousand two hundred people now plus ten thousand if we did new class so that's fantastic and we have a lot of waiting wait list and these are people that paid to sign up so I mean audience is very important and it, it, it's never easy to build is consistency. Yeah, consistency. That's your recommendation. So consistency. Yeah. So consistency is this. I remember like before I keep building the audience, you know, you everybody will come, they will realize that, oh, you are there. And whatever the subject you are an expert in, or you choose, just be consistent. Even when you there's no retweets, there's no like, there's nothing, just be consistent. Because you think the people are watching and when it's time, people will definitely follow. So from media perspective, I think consistency is key. And also when it's time, my social media grew sporadically after we launched Art School. Because before Art School, on Twitter, I think I was like 15,000 or 17,000. And right now I'm over 34,000 followers. And, and also Art School grew organically to about 25,000 in just a few months, in just wow. four or five months. So people people just follow. So those audiences are important. Also, for example, I leverage on LinkedIn a lot, uh, apart from Twitter. And for my LinkedIn follow, I just I decided last year that I'm going to build my LinkedIn. It wasn't like that before. My LinkedIn was just 500 of how many connection. I just woke up and I decided to do that. And... I did that maybe over a year or two years. And now I have like 30,000 followers. And also LinkedIn reached out to me and made me an official influencer. This is a program nice. that they have less than 300 people as part of people like Richard Branson, Bill Gates, and some of these people are part of it. And I was privileged. And I just realized like, this is audience. You just need to build your audience because wherever you travel to, your audience goes there. And we, that's why any country I go to, I host events because I know I have audience in everywhere. The same I'm hosting in San Francisco. Okay. All right. So, so you uh, think about that. So Twitter, you're like, okay, great doing it. LinkedIn is the next one. What do you think differentiates sort of your success from people who don't quite reach the level of influence? Like what are the two or three things that you did differently from, from them? So for me, when it comes to things is first, you need to pick a field. You can't talk about everything. Mm. So for me, there's some subjects like I'm not an expert in. So you can ask me. But when it comes to startup and entrepreneurship, I know like this is my field when it comes to tech startups. So I talk to people, I engage it whenever there's conversation, I make sure I give uh, feedback to that. And that's the most important thing for building audience as well. Just know what works for you. Some people, Twitter will work. Some people, LinkedIn will work. But Twitter and LinkedIn are two different places. LinkedIn people, they don't criticize you. They won't criticize you. They just follow you. Because mm. they, this is their profile, their, their career is at stake. They just don't. But when you look at Twitter, Twitter is where you are careful because you must be non-negible in it. You must make sure you research what you say and yeah. because everybody's there. And this social media is so powerful. I've raised funds through this. I've raised money through this. And also I've gotten a lot of connection, a lot of meaningful connection, client, customer, partnership, 
from different one of our major uh clients right now came to me they reached out to me in linkedin on linkedin and i even missed the message they had to reach out to someone that knows me that reached out to me so it's powerful so i don't joke with my social presence because that's the world we live in now and consistency is key you have to keep mm-hmm. doing it one follower, two follower. One follower, two follower. One followers, two followers. One connection, two connection. And okay. one day you realize, oh my god, I'm an influencer. So, so it's just the grind. I mean, it's just like yeah, sticking with it. It is. Yeah, it is. And then you have these events in person, and you connect with people. So, did you on your LinkedIn? Did you tell people you're going to San Francisco? Be like, hey, who wants to meet up? Like, how do you manage those events so that you sort of? I don't know. So the yeah, interesting thing is. Now, the moment I mentioned to people, people knew that I'm in San Francisco, a lot of people started reaching out to me like, hey, you're in town. Like, I haven't spent, I've been living freely since I came into San Francisco because nice. uh, someone has been hosting me. And he just reached out on Twitter because we've lost contact in a long time and say, hey, you're in town, come. And a lot of people, that's how all the meetings has been because the virtual audience the people you connected with online, they are real. So, and the advantage will come someday. So, and that's the most important thing. The people just reach out. Then I realized like, okay, let's host a physical one where every one of us, because you guys know me, but you can meet each other and you can add value to each other because I'm leaving San Francisco. You guys continue. Then I'm going to host another one in Austin. Then I'm going to host in Harvard. Then I'm going to host in MIT. I should be hosting one in Berkeley now, but I will be in Berkeley tomorrow. I'm meeting some different people. So I just realized like everyone comes together because now I can invest my audience, my investment in different ways. Yeah. And there was never a country I've traveled to that I didn't see people that eventually come out to meet. And so that must reinforce that connection too. So you go out, you meet with people in person, the people who are following you like, yeah, I'm definitely going to follow this person. They probably are more likely to like and retweet your 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 posts afterwards too i would imagine yeah. just because they feel it, more connected to you that, that that's the yeah the, so when you meet in person you solidify the connection and it really makes it makes it more stronger and you are able to connect with people more just because you you talk to them this time around and it's about trust so people if you're building anything you build it with people and when you meet in person, when you meet people, they trust you. They have a virtual connection, so they now trust you more. And you guys are going to build. One thing I realize is the next person that will write you your next check might just be someone you've met a long time ago. And there's some things I used to tell people in, I mean, I used to tell my team, and is someone that will help your career, there is a 60% chance. If you are at the age of 30 or 27, 28, there's a 60%, 60% chance that you've met that person. Chance. Yeah, that will help your career, whatever it is. Because these people, people you met in the early days of your career, everyone yeah. will spread out eventually. And mm. one day when they are recommending you, because the place they recommend you the most, you are never going to be in the room. So it's just people yeah, you've met and yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, that clearly just shows the value of this connection, the serendipity. Exactly. When it comes to alt school, who do you think is like the right type of person to sign up for alt school today to start taking these classes to benefit from? Like, who's your ideal learner right now? So for now, it's mostly people 
either you want to change your career, mm-hmm. you want to, you just finished secondary school, which is high school, you want to go into university, or different cases, you just want to get the tech skills. That's the people that are going to sign up. An interesting thing, I recently met in Silicon Valley, I went to San Jose yesterday, on, on Sunday or Saturday, I met one of the students that signed up and he lives there. And I was wondering, oh, you signed up for our school. Someone just called me, oh, I knew a student that signed up for our school. And I was like, okay, that's a major impact. And he's not even an African. So which shows like the world, and he's just a young high school student that said, I want to mm. learn product design. I want to change my career. And I felt like, okay, I think there's a global solution at the end of the day yeah. that we're just starting in Africa. Okay. So, so you are maybe focused on Africa, but anyone can sign up for what Alt School is offering. Everyone is can what, sign up. Everyone. The okay. first class we the have, School of Software Engineering, we have students from over 52 countries. And the, primarily in Africa, but still... Primarily uh, in not, Africa, but other places. We see the US, we see yeah. Turkey, we see UK. How do you think about... I guess, positioning yourself versus other types of solutions. So like if you're targeting Africa and you're like, we are for Africa, maybe that's one position, but you're clearly, I guess, global already out the gate. How do, how do you think about positioning yourself versus alternatives? Like who do you recommend would use you versus, I don't know, you to me, for example. So for now, so what we built, there's something we built, which is community. And that's something you can never see with Udemy, Coursera, some of these things. We built a structured learning. We're not just giving you courses. We build an environment whereby we can guide you to learning. You have other students. And that's our, our USP. That's one of our USP. And mm-hmm. we just realized, like, we want to learn. We really want to learn in a proper way, but mm. it's tired of a physical school. And the others are either bootcamp or just online courses. But want to go to school, that's different. That's how we position ourselves. And that's what we bet ourselves against. Got it. So it's virtual and it has this community. Is it live classes? Can you learn asynchronously? Is it both? Both. We have synchronous and asynchronous methods. So we okay. have we built, we invested and we built our own LMS, learning system learning management system. And mm-hmm. also we have a, some life classes. Okay, got it. And then as, as people are looking to switch careers, I think that's what you said, how do you help them facilitate that? So they take your classes, they graduate. Do you have a way of helping them get a job afterwards? So the good thing is we have a flywheel, which is Talentio. So Talentio is not a flywheel. We have so we're serving some of the biggest clients in the world. So whereby we can easily help you transition into tech i get you your first job even your first intention got it okay so, so that that is also probably pretty unique too right like i don't think coursera or udemy uh connect you to employment exactly. it sounds like go through alt school and then you will help them through talent ql actually get their first engineering job too yeah we did that that's one of the major things we're doing okay that, that's pretty neat how, how do you Thanks. When you're going out to companies for Talent QL and say like hire through Talent QL, is Alt School part of what you sort of pitch? No, it's not. It's not part okay. of our pitch. Alt School is independent, operating independent. Mm. Although it, Alt School now owns Talent QL, but it's operating independent. Okay, 
Got it. Two independent models, two independent businesses, yeah. but yeah. it is a benefit for TalentQL. Sorry, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a benefit for AltSchool to be able to access what TalentQL offers. Exactly. And also TalentQL is missing what our school is having because now TalentQL needs some talent. Some of our clients are looking for some big talent, but there's no way mm -hmm. to get that. Do you have any people sponsor people to go through alt school? Yeah, do, we do, do any... have some people. Yes, and we do have some people, and also our business model. Also, one of our business models to get even people to sponsor their family member because we realize like it's a way we learn in Africa. Okay, and so that like people who are looking to develop talent pipelines over a longer period of time. Actually, how long does alt school usually take to sort of take someone who wants to switch so careers have... into tech? So we have different programs. The first entry one is one year, is a year. The second one is three to six months. So we have the six months, which is more advanced classes. Then we have mm -hmm. short courses, which is just you wanted to upskill. You're a product designer, you're a product manager, you are a developer, you wanted to just upskill your algorithm and some of this. Yeah. Got it. And then that, like that upskilling. Yes. Some companies offer that as a solution to enterprises. Some companies will go into employee development mm -hmm. departments in HR and say, hey, you can upskill employee, your employees. Are you solely focused on using upskilling for, I guess, people who want to learn? Like it's more the B2C model than B2B. Is that right? Yeah. So so we the upskilling is the one most important thing because one thing we realize in Africa is there's no, we don't have much system that do upskilling for people and that's one of the ways problem we wanted to solve as well because mm. a lot of companies are suffering because their talent couldn't grow as fast as possible but because there's no upskilling so it's a bit of our upskilling model will be a bit of b2b and b2c okay so so how i mean i know we were talking and so you sort of like traveled to different parts of the world yeah the in a lot of places in the U.S. and Europe and Asia, people are having trouble finding talent, the right skill set. What do you see as sort of like unique to Africa challenges versus, you know, challenges that everyone is sort of facing in the world? Like, do you see anything that is a unique problem to Africa and you have unique solutions to Africa? How do you think about that? So, so there are different unique challenges to Africa. First, Africa is one market that really a lot of people wanted to go to school. And it's just that we don't see support that much compared to other parts of the world. And we can't afford also, uh, we can't afford student loan. It's ridiculously mm. too expensive for some. Sure. Like yeah. It's really, yeah. Okay. Then, then Africa also, I realized like there's some things like credit card system. We don't have a credit system. Then also we don't have, uh, there's, there's just several challenges that is mm. totally unique in Africa. Okay. Uh, because I got to this place, I realized to do anything, mostly you need to have a credit system. You need to have a credit mm. card. And even if you have cash, you won't be able to do some of those things. It wasn't like that for us. So then it, it's just it. It's yeah. two different markets and some so, unique so challenges like to a unique solutions. What I hear is a competitive advantage that like you'll be yeah. able to reach the market in Africa in a way that some of the other existing solutions probably won't. I, I don't know about Baiju because I think that's one of the largest ed tech companies yeah, in the I know world Baiju. right now. Yeah. It is out of India. 
are there any lessons that you look at what they did and you're like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder if it makes sense to, to consider. So, you might know better so than you. For now, Baijuk focus on K-12, which is more younger population. Yeah, uh, that's true. In the future, we're going to extend to that. But right now, we are not. So they are not one of those people that I focus on aggressively. So there's an interesting okay. startup in the Latin America that I really like, but they're mostly in Latin America, Spanish. They're doing a bit similar to what we're trying to do, but not really what we're doing. I would have to imagine the, like, the companies that are solving similar problems are probably not in the US or Europe. Yeah, it's totally different challenges. Yeah. So it's so, totally different challenges. So actually, it's kind of interesting to me. So you went through Techstars. Techstars is a startup accelerator. How is the mentorship there? So maybe for people who don't know, Techstars startup accelerator, they have them in different cities. They have them in different programs. And I think they usually try to bring a group of companies in in a cohort and then have mentors that so, help with different parts. Like, how did that work for your experience? So Techstars was good. And one so Techstar was good. It got us to understand that any problem you have to solve, you have to think global and mm. you have to scale. Scale is the most important thing. And that's one of the things I've discovered in Africa, in Silicon Valley. Everybody's looking to solve the biggest problem, the major challenge. Everybody wants to solve for the world. And a lot of companies in Africa weren't thinking that way. But one of the things, the moment you got into textiles, you start looking at the other markets in the world. This is my solution. Where can it scale to? Where's the other place I can deploy it? What's the other solution? What's the next market? And that's one of the major things that was very, very important. Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting observation. You know, I think you mentioned early that 700 million people is how many people you want to educate. Like, that seems like a big market to me. That seems like yeah. at scale. Um, yeah. Was Techstars like, yeah, you know what? 700 million, I think you're good. Why don't you just solve that problem? Don't worry about outside of the US like or outside of Africa. Maybe it works outside of Africa, but you don't need to worry about mm -hmm. the other markets. Were they, Absolutely. did they tell you to like think big, but also focused? Yeah. So, so the startup we went to Techstars with was mostly Talent Cure. Okay. And so we, a lot of people, so it was a lot of global solution, but mm. the advice was even focus on African market, focus on African market, which was good because eventually when we focused our school on African market, when we eventually had our school, it's just great. Yeah. This is just okay. Great. So, so then now what I'm sort of understanding is that you had, you went with Talent QL, Talent QL connects companies outside of Africa with engineering talent in Africa. They're like, hey, this yeah. is fine, but you know what? The problem is actually we need to educate more people. And then looking at that, you're like, we can educate a lot of people. <laughs> is that sort of like the, the progression as you were thinking about it? Or how did that sort of, so, you know, company so we, pivot work? When we started Talentcure, that was when we discovered that we have, there's a major challenge on grant. One mm -hmm. of the major challenges, we need more talent because for you to supply company's talent, you need more talent yourself. So you yeah. need to have more solid talent on the ground. And that was the problem we started solving. That was how art school came about. But we knew before we even went, we knew that we had to do something similar. But we didn't mm. know how big the opportunity was. We didn't know. We wanted to make it a product of talent, 
talent cure. Mm. But eventually, by the time we launch, after the first month, we look at the data, we realize that this is our scale. Because mm. and what we just had to do, because we had to start building content, we had to start building building an LMS, start building our own system, deploying big server, building even mailing data center. So we just realized mm. that and he eventually came and owned is he now owned Talentcure, which is a fantastic story. Eventually. Got it. So, so what I hear is a lot of market pull. You sort of like put yeah. this idea out here. You knew it would be something that's needed. And the market is like, we want this now. Give it to us now. And it's like, how do you build? Exactly. exactly. What do you think investors sort of like most misunderstand? Like, what do you think they're the most likely to get wrong about this opportunity? Um, yeah. So so for me now, uh, I haven't pitched much to investors. The lucky thing is when we were doing our pre-seed of $1 million, we're oversubscribed. We closed it very fast without even, I didn't break a single sweat. And now that we're trying to raise a seed, I, I'm not struggling. I'm just making sure I'm having the right investor because that's another question. But for Talent Cure, we struggled to raise because a lot of people didn't understand the concept of Talent Cure. And people noticed, oh, there's a dollar in the market. So what we just did is eventually we realized like we can't go forward to fundraise for Talent Cure. And mm. excuse me. It's a self-sustainable business already. So we just realized that let's keep it. Let's fundraise with art school. So the only challenge we see that we can see is when investors, oh, we are not investing in African focused business now. We are not doing this. That's just it. And also okay. wrong investor for the wrong time. That's just it. But right now, we are very careful. We're just focusing on talent add-on on investment platform that focus VC that focus on education and that is ready to invest in Africa. Got it. So ed tech investors ready to invest in Africa because in you've Africa. had a significant market yes. pull. And Africa has become, I don't know, it feels like it's become a hot market in the past three or four years. I don't know how it sort it of is. felt living in there, but it feels like there's a lot of activity. It is because right now in Africa, we don't, we don't have a choice than to leverage on the internet to solve some of the major problems we are going through. Let me give an example. In We use mobile phone before even landline. And I know in the in, in U.S. today, some people still use landline, which is super weird. But in in U.S., I mean, in Africa, we just use mobile phone. You can't... It will be difficult to see a single landline. It's the same yeah. thing that will happen with education. We can't build Harvard. We won't build Stanford. We won't mm. build a physical school like Berkeley or some of those. So what we have is online to give the best education and also deliver the best skills. We have to turn to the internet, and that's what we are building. Mm. And that's why what we are building is the largest school on the continent of Africa. Is it already the largest school in the continent of Africa, or is that like two so or three not years? Not yet, but it will be the continent largest school because right now admission we give four thousand, four thousand students over four thousand students admission. There's no school that will do that right now. There's no school that will do that in a year, and we are not just doing just one year before end of the year for different school or different department of faculty. You can call it. We'll be giving four 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 thousand. So. By end of the year, we might be doing 24,000 too. 
36,000. So, and there's no school that can compete with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. From a product sort of North star metric from sort of like what you look at from like what guides the decisions on education and the LMS, what do you think is the most important thing for, for alt school? In terms of guiding the the product, the LMS, the education component, what do you think about so, most? So the interesting thing is, and that was why I bet on it. People are catching up, but more people still need stuff like they need internet mm. and laptops. Those are going to be some things. But people are catching up because the families are able to support now. Like, oh, okay. Instead of me giving you some money in every month, I can actually buy laptops. But another thing I realized is there are some technology that we needed that are not there yet. For example, our life classes, we needed 4,000 students to be online. And there's no platform that, could, that we could use. Zoom couldn't take 4,000 students at a go. So we had to we had to be looking at some other platform like Open. And as much as Open is working, there's still some things Open is not uh, beautiful. We pay them mm-hmm. a lot of money, although they, uh, but at least there's still some stuff they are not built for. And those are some of the challenges we see. And we can't build technology as fast as we need it. But we don't have a choice. We have to keep iterating and keep moving forward. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. So you are looking at solving sort of these key problems that are preventing people from accessing the internet or accessing the live class. That's uh, helpful. Uh, well, Adewale, I appreciate your time today. I know we're sort of kind of at the end, but it was great meeting up with you in person and great connecting with you on this because I've been looking forward to it. So, thank you so much. Say it was thank great you. meeting you as well. Everyone, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed that fantastic episode with Adewale Youssef. If you want to reach out, comments, questions, other thoughts, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. It's E Lawless on Twitter. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.